the meal um, in that particular country, for, and that was 9,000 children would have been infected by this, they would uh, miss two days worth of meals. And it was like, whoa, this is real. You know, this isn't about putting, creating uh, fancy videos and, and putting out fancy marketing campaigns. Th this is real. This is about children having a meal. She said this is a lifestyle. And she's absolutely right. Like I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. I've been in this sector for 20 odd years. I had not thought about it in those terms. It is, an, it is a lifestyle. So my guest in today's episode is Asim Lohn. And he has been in the charity sector for over 20 years. He is currently, at the time of recording, the deputy CEO of a charity called Charity Right, which was spearheaded by Sheikh Tufik Chowdhury. Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, he will be the CEO of Charity Right because that's what his career trajectory is over there. And in this episode, we talk about his insights in the charity sector. Obviously, if he's been there in two decades, he's got a lot to share. He's been both an employee of charities. He's run his own charity as well. Um, and now soon, inshallah, he will be the CEO of Charity Right. So he has the breadth and the width of the entire Muslim charity sector in the UK. And uh, he came today on this episode to share that with us. And uh, I hope you benefit from it. This has been happening uh, over the last several years anyway. But this, I think this Ramadan especially, this question of sincerity in the charity sector, you know, and are the people that are working in the charity sector, are they sincere? Do they have a fear of God? Do they have a fear of Allah? You know, and and what is it that what they're doing is it uh, is what they're doing ethical? This question has become a lot more uh, paramount now, right? Um, and especially because of the stories that you've always told me, I've I've always had a certain paranoia in my mind that maybe this sector, maybe there's problems in this sector, and it's not just in the UK; it's around the globe as well, right? But you're saying the the people that are working there as in the employees, the actual volunteers and the employees, there's no issue of sincerity there that you've ever seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no issue at all. Look, people people exist on a spectrum, right? People's motivations exist on a spectrum. People's incentives exist on a spectrum. Uh, and, you know, to say that everybody is in the same place, in occupies the same place in the spectrum would be unrealistic. Um, but... I, I absolutely that spectrum is you know about impact and impact driven and cause driven right everybody that I come across um whether, whether that's in the organization that I work for or if it's if it, or or have worked for um or 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 people from other organizations I've never come across anybody that's ever given me the sense that um, they're here for the wrong reasons. Like I said to you, in the 20 years that I've been connected to this sector, I've only ever come across, directly come across, one case of fraud. Uh, he was caught uh, and he was prosecuted. But are we? Are you saying that this is only in the UK or even when you... Because you've done a lot of missions globally as well. And I know you've been to like Kashmir and you've been to Turkey, was it? Yeah, I've been to Philippines as well. Philippines, and you're gonna, you're going like, aren't you going to Sudan soon? Uh, not Sudan, not anymore okay. because of the troubles there. But I'm going, okay. going to go to Ethiopia. So Ethiopia okay. and Tur Turkey, inshallah, will be flying out uh, this uh, this Sunday, inshallah. You've seen the sincerity of the people that are working in the charity sector here in the UK. 
but also even globally so globally there does tend to be more issues okay right um but the uk has been pretty good uk is very good uh, globally there does tend to be issues and you've got to be very careful about who you're working with in terms of implementing partners okay ideally you know the so our preference and ideal for us is to set up our own offices uh, and have our own employees vet them you know etc they then operate according to our standard operating procedures um you know our policies etc uh, and it just means that we can guarantee uh, a better delivery mechanism uh, we can drive we can guarantee better reporting better monitoring mm. uh, kind of all of that sort of stuff right so that that's our preference you can't always do that it really depends on logistics yeah i i mean the first the first point really from our point of view is how much money is are you spending in that particular country so if you're spending a sizable amount of money it's actually more financially it makes more financial sense for you to set up your own operation right okay right because um when you're working with an implementing partner they tend to work on uh an admin kind of percentage which then obviously grows as you spend more money with them mm. right Mm. um and so it kind of makes more sense if you if you get to a certain size of project uh that you're 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 setting up your own operation right okay. so at charity right for example you know we have our own operation in pakistan in bangladesh um in turkey uh in sudan where uh, although we've got the troubles now in sudan but uh we we're working towards establishing our, our own office in sudan as well inshallah So that that's that's kind of like the ideal the gold standard. So if you look at the likes of you know the bigger charities their network in the field is made up of their own people essentially and that's how you then Where does charity right come on kind of the spectrum of the largest or the smallest is like somewhere in the middle. Oh we're tiny. Oh okay. Oh we we're, we're tiny. Okay. Like our income last year was two and a half million. Oh so yeah, that yeah, is yeah. small then. Yeah 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 we're, okay. we're we're tiny. But you're okay because I I really want to get to the meat of like your journey in all of this right because you uh, you were you were in the charity sector you got bit by the bug and then but there was something there were things that happened that were so bad um that you just decided I've had enough of this sector because as in I've had enough of this Muslim charity space and when I've been listening to things that you've been saying to me when we've just met you know for dinner or we've been speaking on the phone I've always kind of felt like it was the lack of sincerity in the sector but you're saying it's not the lack of sincerity in the sector so what was it what was it that kind of just drove you away because you left the Muslim charity sector didn't you I did I did yeah, yeah. so for the last four years I was working for a mainstream charity yeah uh came out a non-Muslim Muslim charity non-Muslim charity yeah, yeah. absolutely and, and what drove you away <laughs> So um well actually in in that particular instance I was made redundant um, okay. and so But you just chose not to go back as well. But though, I chose not to go back. Yeah. yeah, I did choose choose not to go back. So so okay, so essentially what you've got in the Muslim sector by and large is changing but by and large you have uh founder CEOs um that are running uh, these charities mm. across the sector. Right and you've mentioned this thing called founders founder syndrome. Founder syndrome absolutely okay. right. So, so when you this? have so when you have when you have a founder um and I don't think it's peculiar to the charity sector I think it's just generally a phenomenon that is 
centered around founders of any organization but when mm. you have a founder like startups like startups yeah. exactly which is why we, you and i were able to relate so much because i was seeing this in startups as well absolutely and so when you're a founder um the there is a uh, a mindset that's adopted um by predominantly by founders i guess it can happen with anybody but predominantly by founders where they get to a point in their journey with that organization where they believe and they believe with sincerity that if they are not there um, and if they do not have control over that organization that that organization will fail okay so basically like i have to i have to oversee all of the marketing and i have to see all of oversee all of the operations and i have to see i have to oversee all of the implementation and i've got to make sure all the staff are okay and basically i need to basically micromanage everything because this entire thing has to be carried on my shoulders because i am this organization that's basically founder syndrome right absolutely absolutely and i would take it even a step further like i've worked in some organizations where every single decision every single decision um could only be made by the ceo right and what is the problem with that what is the problem with founder syndrome what does it do to the organization so 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 it it really stifles the team right it really really stifles the team because then it you've now got an organization doesn't matter how many people are in that organization let's say 20 30 40 50 but you've now got an organization that is being run by the ideas of one person mm And that to me also by their time and energy effectively by their time and energy as well which by is their limited. decision making yeah. by their experience mm. by their capability by their competency um and that just is counterproductive because why then do you have a team of 20 people you might um, as well do everything yourself when you're when you are literally you know kind of stifling their capability you have a, you have a team of 20 people let's just say let's stay with the 20 example you got a team of 20 people each person comes with their set of capabilities and experience and expertise and creativity and innovation and ideas and all of that good stuff right um but that isn't getting used instead it's all being centered in this one individual um and and that's a problem because it then stifles uh the team and so now if you've got somebody um if you've got people on your team who are driven by impact like i said to you that everyone is driven by impact and you've got somebody who's driven by impact who's come from a corporate sector come come from a corporate background has come with a very clear objective that this isn't for me no longer about um making money but mm. this is about using my skills um to have to drive impact um and that individual is stifled then it just it becomes too much so you do you experience this because the if you've got the 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 founder who's doing all of this right and even if they're doing it with all manner of sincerity if you're not able to put your heart or your soul into it because it has to be the founder's heart and soul that goes into whatever it is that you're doing what does that do for your morale because it's going to create burnout right and that's what it did to you it yeah, basically created yeah, burnout absolutely it creates burnout um it creates uh, disenfranchisement it creates how does that make you feel or anybody else who's working in that charity sector who has who's working under somebody that's like this how does it make them feel i mean it, that's very complex right i mean i think it's uh, but if you could encapsulate it into just a if i was to encapsulate it, it it the the feeling ultimately is i'm wasting my time here i'm yeah. not driving the impact that i'm that i've come here to drive mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and, and you, that's what leads to the burnout as well doesn't it because you keep punching and punching and punching to try and make impact and you're not able to make it 
Yeah, it leads to frustration. Frustration then leads to burnout. You know, you're trying this way, that way, whatever, and then ultimately, you know, you 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 come to come to a point of either it breaks your health um, or it breaks your spirit. And what did it do for you? Did it do both of those for you? It did affect your health. Didn't it did it? affect my health. At, yeah. there, there, there have been some points where uh, it affected my health. Um, uh, but I mean, it, 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 when I when I left the sector, at that point, I was done. It was about more spirit than anything else. And mm. I just thought, okay, I just I'm just not the right fit for this sector. I'm just somebody who is just. Oh, I'm always going to come up against this thing. Um, and so this is just not no longer the right fit for me. And it's not just the charity sector, it, because the reason why, uh, why you and I had a lot of these conversations, because I've, I've not worked in the charity sector, but I've worked for a hell of a lot of non-profits and it's all the same thing over, over and over, you know, I was coming up against all of the same stuff. And especially if you're doing a full-time job and then in the evenings, you're volunteering your time to this and you're already tired from your full-time job. And you, I mean, at, at that time I didn't have kids and stuff, but obviously, you know, you've got to run your daily life and things as well. And then you're giving your, what would be your ordinarily your leisure time to this because you want to make impact. And then you're coming up against this, this thing, this wall, which is making you feel frustrated. You're trying to punch through it and you can't because the founder is actually in the way, despite his sincerity, his or her sincerity, um, they're in the way you it just creates burnout you do you just like i can't deal with this it's yeah. just the, th the only difference that i noticed i would say the difference between me and you and everybody else was i think we were we were prepared to accept to ourselves that some that okay it's okay for us to say okay we're not going to take part in this because this isn't working whereas everybody else wasn't able to have that conversation with themselves to say I, there was because of the guilt i can't leave because that would be wrong this is a this is a test of this is a question of my mind if i leave this charity if i leave this non-profit that i've signed up for it's like i'm leaving the battlefield or something there was a, there's a lot of that definitely definitely there, there is there, there it's very very complex and that's this is what i said to you yeah, that okay. it's people that work in the charity sector they exist their intentions exist on a spectrum right um, and for some, it is absolutely about their integrity. If I'm leaving this sector, then what was this all for? Why yeah. did I enter into then this I'm sector? Then I'm a failure. Then I'm a failure. Exactly. Yeah. And that's very, very I'm real I'm a coward even. You know, you kind of feel absolutely. like, okay, well, then that makes me a coward if I walk away. Yeah, but yeah. every time that I've actually walked away from the nonprofit, A, it has been the right decision even though it was met with a lot of stay, don't go kind of thing. It was just met with kind of like a, a sense of abandonment by the others, right? But it wasn't, I mean, I didn't I didn't get like any any aggro over it. It was just, you know, why, why would you want to leave? But then I've seen those people leave as well eventually, but it's just taken them a lot longer to get to that conclusion. Yeah. You know? And you must have seen the same thing, that you've seen other people leave wherever you were, other people have left as well. It's just that you, maybe you got to that conclusion a lot quicker. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, and and it's really interesting because, um, like, so, so like, uh, there's, there's many, many people that I'm still in touch with that I've worked with in the past that I've decided to move on from that particular And some of those have gone back to corporate jobs, right? They've either gone back to corporate jobs or they've gone to work in um, uh, mainstream charities, for example. Right, okay. Without exception, without exception, they... Uh, they still look back at the Muslim sector in favorable terms. 
Oh, that's good. You know, be- because you know, there's there is something, there is a spirit that we have in the in the Muslim sector, um, that is very rare. I, I've not seen that. Uh, certainly, in the last four years that I was in the mainstream. Uh, so the work, the actual work that we did, that we whatever we were able to produce, I do look back on that favorably. Yes, okay, I do, I do look back on that favorably. Um, I'm, I feel like okay, the the frustration, the wall that we came up against is because of the founder syndrome and all those kind of things. I don't look back on that favorably, but if I think about my if the the bonding that happened between me and the other people that were in the nonprofit or the affinity that I have for them, there is a bond that's there. There is a, there's a certain admiration and affection. There's a certain affinity that we have for each other that I haven't actually experienced anywhere else. Mm, yeah. Because it's not, we're not mates, as in we, we, didn't, we didn't go to the cinema together. We didn't go on holiday together. And these people nece- didn't necessarily come around to my house for dinner. I went to their house. You know, they don't know my wife and kid, and I don't know their wife and kid necessarily. But there was something there. I, even now, when I speak to these people, there's there's a brother that actually helped me set the studio up. As in, he just gave me advice over the phone. And even now, when I speak to him over the phone, there's, there's that, there's a there's a love there. There's a certain uh, rahma between the, between the both of us. It, we don't even discuss what came before us, but there's something there. Because the foundation of that relationship. Because is of different. the foundation of that relationship, there's a certain affection that we have for each other that was set up because of the work that we did together in this nonprofit. And he was actually not in the nonprofit for that long. Even he was only in there for a very short space of time. I was in a lot longer, but his contribution was uh, important. And so I'll call him and say, okay, you know, I'm thinking of doing this, or you know, what mic should I get, or whatever. Just gives me his feedback, and we carry on. I think there's something in the tradition that you know you only truly know somebody once you travel with them and you work with them right and i think this is what we're really alluding to yeah because the thing is like the the guy that the, the guy that you work with at work he's there for the pay packet right but the guy that you work with in the in the in the non-profit he's not there for the pay mm. packet right yeah 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 absolutely absolutely ah oh, i miss them all now <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, and so it, it's um, so like I say, you know, they, they they do look back at that time favorably, and they're still. Uh, in fact, I was talking to somebody recently, uh, and she spent quite a few years outside of the the Muslim sector, quite a number of years actually. She she spent, I would say, maybe about six or seven years. She spent maybe maybe a little bit longer than that, and she's just recently come back into the about a year ago. She came back into the Muslim sector. Because the 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 pulls you back in. The, the pull is strong. It's a strong pull, right? Um, so yeah, no, it, it's it's so there is definitely something beautiful about that, uh, you know. Because and and I think I think part of it also is it's 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 aligned with our tradition, right? If you are inclined in that way, which everybody is, most people are, right? Yeah. Most people are. Mm. Um, if you're inclined in that way, then there is a magnetism. Right, there is something, um, dare I say, utopic about that. Yeah, I think if I think now, like even a lot of the friends that my wife has made, a lot of those friends she's made is because they did something together at a charity or at a nonprofit, right. and even she's come up up against the same things where it's just it's you know she's come up against the wall of the founder syndrome, not, and I've kind of been able to bring some outside perspective and kind of pointed it out, and then she's kind of noticed it herself, and then she's been part of other nonprofits. And there's been those kind of issues, 
but after she's left those non-profits the friends are still there mm. and she has a very good relationship with mm. them mm. so by the way on the founder syndrome right uh so now i'm on this side right of the of the desk uh essentially i am now running a charity right I'm run, i run charity right uh and i totally get founder syndrome now yeah. like i totally understand the pressure of it right yeah i totally get how somebody can fall into that trap let's call it because the founder has his own guilt right right he has his own guilt his guilt is if this fails it's all on me yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely so he's 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 imprisoned by his own guilt and it, it's so easy to carry so like we 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 have a charity right we feed approximately thirty thousand children right and we provide them with uh we provide them with a daily meal so so with so in the vast majority of the cases of those children is they that will be the only meal that they will have that day so there's a certain um responsibility that comes with that okay uh, so like so i'll give uh, something something happened recently where we had uh, we have an internal mechanism where funds have to be released on a monthly basis that got delayed and there was a risk that the meal um in that particular country for, and that was 9,000 children would have been infected by this, they would uh, miss two days worth of meals. And it was like, whoa, this is real. Like, this isn't about, you know, this isn't about putting, creating uh, fancy videos and, and putting out fancy marketing campaigns. Th this is real. This is about children having a meal. And so for the founder, they can't sleep at night, right? Right. So now you're carrying that, right? You're carrying that. Um, but then also, I think for the for the for the guy that's at the top, you're also carrying the livelihoods of your team, right? Like we've just come through Ramadan, alhamdulillah, we've managed to um, hit our target uh, in Ramadan, alhamdulillah. But at the moment where we are in our journey, Ramadan represents eighty percent of our income for the year. So in other words, we have a good Ramadan, we have a good year, and if we don't, we don't, right? So our two biggest costs are what? You know, the meals and the salaries, yeah. right? So so those are the two things that are always on my mind. And I'm sure that's the case for every single leader across the, across the sector. You've had the experience of running your own Muslim charity, a small one. You've had the, you've worked for a number of other charities in the charity sector as well. So you've had a good layer, you've had a good, you know, cross-section, good layer of the land. You've then um, got disenchanted, left the charity sector, the Muslim charity sector, and gone mainstream. And then now you've come back. What was it like at the mainstream? When you were at the mainstream charity sector, because you've, that, what, from what I know of you, you were actually quite a lot happier there. Yeah, so... Uh, and what was driving that? So, yeah, so, okay, so that, uh, so the charity that I worked at, was um a, a uk-based charity they 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 work all of their work is in the uk so the so the impact is very very different the deliverables are very very different up until that point i had done all of my experience was in international development right uh child poverty primarily with some emergency relief um and now i'm kind of going from that to i'm working with you know an older demographic um that is affected by isolation and loneliness very very different calls um, completely different remit completely different remit right so that took some time getting used to 
but I, I could get behind it. I, I could get behind it. I could see um, the very real impact, you know, not, not just uh, their mental health, but their physical health as well. Uh, it was manifesting. So, you know, I could get behind it and that was absolutely fine. So the, uh, the happiness was on a number of different levels, right? They, this is a charity that was run, they were very, very organized. They were run in a way that was unlike, not unlike a corporate. Yeah, but they didn't have the founder syndrome going on, right? They didn't have the founder syndrome. They had um, a very interesting structure in place. And the way that they were doing their programs, or delivering their programs were very interesting as well. So they were delivering, or they are rather, delivering programs in a very sustainable way and what that means is um, their programs the vast majority of their programs are cost neutral okay so what that means is they actually position their programs in a way where the programs themselves generate funds so to access the program um, the beneficiary the person that's benefiting from the program um, in some cases is paying a small fee to access that particular service or there is a part of funds either from the government or something that essentially means that program is cost neutral. And so when COVID hit, so I was there during COVID, during lockdown, when COVID hit, yes, their income was very severely affected because they weren't able to go out and do fundraising in the traditional way and et cetera. They had an investment portfolio that was very negatively uh, impacted. Um, like their investment portfolio, I think is worth 30 million or something. Um, and it just plummeted, right? Um, they had, uh, they've got trading subsidiaries that were affected, uh, and so on and so forth. But despite their income being affected, their programs weren't affected. The programs continue to operate as normal. There were some tweaks that were made, but the programs continue to operate as normal. Why? Because they were sustainable in the first place. The learning from that as an experience and, and the way that they've structured their organization, structured their programs, structured their income stream, that was just a real eye-opener. Okay. Like up until that point, I was thinking along a very different line. Um, and so so, so I, that, that learning was a source of happiness. And then there's little things like, you know, work-life balance and kind of that sort of stuff. They were very, very... They are very, very um, big on work-life balance to the point where if, if, if anybody's sending an email late into the evening, they have to explain why they sent that email right. late into the evening. Because at the Muslim charity sector, they could, they could guilt you into working on a Saturday afternoon, right? There's some element of that. I mean, in, when it comes to Ramadan, for example, mm. um, there is no work-life balance yeah. because you're talking but about... But that again creates burnout, right? That's another problem. It is a problem. It is a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're an organization like Charity Right, for example, is an organization that is highly reliant on Ramadan, um, then every hour of Ramadan uh, is an opportunity that must not be missed. But it's not sustainable. Like the thing, the thing that I um, found, the nonprofits that I w worked with was, I know you use this term founder syndrome, but the, one of the terms that I, that I, kind of came up with at that point was um, battlefield syndrome that you're always on everything is all you're always in a, in, a, in in battle mode all the time but you can't be in battle mode all the time it's just it's not sustainable the body can't take it you can't be 
right, well, we're going to work till two o'clock in the morning on this particular thing. And then tomorrow we're also going to work till two o'clock in the morning. And we're just going to keep on going every single day for the next two years. It, it just doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. But it does exist. And in all of the acti- the organizations, the activist organizations, they have a lot of, uh, you know, battle syndrome in there. And that has its own issues. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's a two-way street. I think, I think remember, look, go, go back to who, who is working in these organizations. Forget the leaders. Who is working in these organizations? People that are driven by impact. Mm. People that this is, a, there was something that was very, uh, we interviewed somebody recently, which came up with a word that um, really took me by surprise, but I think is very apt. She said, this is a lifestyle. Yeah. And she's absolutely right. Like I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. I've been in this sector for 20 odd years. I had not thought about it in those terms. It is, an, it is a lifestyle. People that come to work in this sector choose to do so because that's the lifestyle that they've adopted. Uh, and so you've got that. Um, and so they want to do, they want to have impact. They want to, you know, activist, activism, whatever that impact is for them. Whatever cause is important for them, for some is activism, for some is something else. Um, and then, and and remember, leaders of those organisations are also coming from this group of people, right? So you've got this kind of two-way street, which is um, is positive because you see so much that's achieved, but the downside of it is absolutely burnout, is absolutely people's health. And the problem with the burnout is that then you're, you're, you're productive for a month or two months or a year or, or two years. And then because of the burnout, it's kind of the tortoise and the hare kind of thing. Like if you were just to take a tortoise kind of approach, you'd actually get to the end goal a lot better than if the than the hare because the hare is just kind of doing this fast zipping up and down. And, and my biggest issue when I was working with the non-profits was it was a very... Just acting like a just acting like a hare rather than and and I was being accused of being a tortoise. That's what I was accused of. But I was like, but this is a lot more sustainable. It's not a you know because the problem is the guilt. Well, you're not working hard enough. You're not working long enough. But no, if you if if I take the time for the rest, the recoup, recuperation, and the reflection, and Allah is always telling us to reflect. If I take the time, I have to have the rest first. The rest then re- leads to the recuperation. The recuperation then leads to the reflection. And the reflection, in the reflection, there is wisdom. Yep. But if you don't take but if you don't even get to the rest, you don't get to the recuperation, you're not going to get to the reflection, you're therefore not going to get to the wisdom. And I was constant and without being self-aggrandizing, people were all I was always being turned to how have you figured out how to do this but how have you been more strategic about this? Um, I remember, um, I'll just give you a really small example, right? A really basic example. I was working with a non-profit. I had to put a, a basic website together. And uh, I think I put the website together in about 30 minutes. Did you use WordPress? I did not use WordPress. Can we just end the interview right here? <laughs> we can end the interview right now <laughs> if you want. I did not use WordPress. <laughs> and um, I put the website together in about, I would say maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Just a really basic website right? They were talking about that website for a year. Everybody was banging on about this website. It was such a beautiful website. And people were asking me, can you do websites for us? Can you, can you? I'm like, I'm not a website designer, but you did this website. Like, I'm not a website designer. I did it because I was tasked to do that as part of working with this nonprofit, right? Did that in my spare time. But people were constantly asking me, how did you, if you're not a website designer and you don't do websites all day long and you don't do all these kind of things, how were you able to make such a such a nice website? 
And I said, well, I'll just use this tool. He was like, how did you even figure out what tool you should use? And the reality is, because I took, I, I, I just kind of, I took a step back without just being all kind of, you know, a hamster on a wheel, took a step back, just took the moment and was like, okay, why don't we just try this tool and let's just, you know, and, and actually thought about what do we actually need. We just need one page with a few elements. I don't need to create this 50-page brochured website that does all these a thousand things. And and it, that webs and genuinely, when we talk about impact, that website had huge impact, and it still gets spoken about even now. It, it, but but like I said, it, that came from rest and recuperation. Yeah, you can't achieve that without rest and recuperation. No. It can't be done. No, I think the, the, I think there is another thing though here as well though, Khurum, uh, which is that I think some people are are more strategic than others. Uh, you know, some people, I think uh, it comes naturally that that kind of the strategic thinking, the bigger thinking. You know, some people are ideas people, some people are doers, right? We all have different functions, we all have different gifts, right? Um, and and so you know, some of that is definitely part part of this as well. You know, it's very easy. Like I, you know, I have two children, as you know. The contrast between them and their personalities mm. and their characteristics are wonderful because one is absolutely more about. Um, strategy and doing the absolute minimum that he can get away with <laughs> right uh, and the other is about you know working really hard no but the strategy works for him doesn't it it does it does i mean he's been very impressive yeah 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 absolutely. i mean I, I wish i had that level of strategy at that age he's been very impressive absolutely yeah. whereas and whereas you know from where, where's my daughter and this, this is not to belittle her or anything like that. I wouldn't that. show her this video. <laughs> this is not to belittle or anything like that. Not to, I mean, she, 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 I think this is a strength of hers where she is absolutely about putting in the graft. Yeah, yeah you know? putting in the hours. Yeah. yeah, putting in the hours, right? That's what she, she absolutely believes and lives by. So I, I think, I think there is, there is that element as well in what you're yeah. talking about. In the but scenarios I mean, that you're more, I'm talking more, what I'm referring really more to is the hamster on the wheel. If, when you're on the wheel and you're just trying to survive, you're just trying to breathe because you've put yourself into that battle mode. You haven't got the, you, you, you haven't got the time to think, therefore you don't have the ability to think. Yeah. And you cannot bring wisdom into the work that you're doing. Yeah. And we do need the wisdom. Yeah. Because we, we're told you know, approach them with wisdom. You you need to be Absolutely. able to always have wisdom in the work that you're doing. Absolutely. My my gripe was always it the wisdom's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which I know is your gripe, you're just too polite to say, but that is your gripe. <laughs> I am in the Muslim charity sector. I have to be careful about what I say. The la the last thing that I need, right, is emails and be flooded with emails. Brother, we're really calls. disappointed in your behavior. You're like a mother, brother. <laughs> We're really disappointed in how you choose to conduct yourself. You have a, res a moral responsibility, brother. Absolutely, absolutely. No, but I, like I said, I think I think I think the strategy aspect of it is is important. Not everybody is strategic. Not everybody has that as a mindset, you know. And and so, I think I think one of the the jobs of a leader is to understand. And this is you know encapsulated in the prophetic tradition beautifully, right? is to understand what people's capabilities are and use them accordingly, right? And put them in, to, in the roles accordingly. Mm. Um, and so but it becomes too much of a mishmash. That's the problem. It's just like we're all just going to row. All of us are just going to row, even, as, even though some guy might be better at being a co-pilot or a navigator or, a, yeah. you know, everybody's just going to row as hard yeah. as we can. Yeah. Well, that's a failure in leadership. That's a failure in leadership. Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. 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 Okay. You went to the mainstream sector. Mm. You went to the mainstream sector. Um, what brought what has brought you back in now? 
and now obviously can we can we talk about the charity you're working for now? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Okay, so you were you missing the Muslim charity sector or you got an offer and came back? Yeah, so there that magnetism I was feeling the pull. Okay. And how how long had you been away? 4 years. Okay, so you were you and when did you start feeling it? Probably the last year or so. Probably the last a couple of years. Okay. So you started feeling it but you kind of ignored it. Yeah, I I entered into some conversations. They didn't quite pan out. They were it was just a little bit more of the same. It just kind of brought up a few red flags. Yeah. Uh, triggered a few traumas, you know, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> they didn't quite pan out and uh and then this came along uh and it was really interesting actually how it came along, but this came along uh, recruiter that I had spoken to previously um, and uh, he reached out, put it on my desk as it were um, and and it was just a really interesting conversation that I'd had with this recruiter probably 18 months previous or something and so he reached out and said look you know I think this is right for you what do you think um, it was the uh, deputy CEO position with a view of taking over the CEO. So you're in deputy CEO position at charity right now, right? Yeah, so I'm about to take over as CEO. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, in fact, I am technically the CEO now. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mashallah, yeah. I'm so speaking to the CEO of a charity. You are speaking to the CEO of a Does charity. Does that come with any benefits, you know, of any kind for me in any way? I don't have a ring. <laughs> you can maybe kiss my ring or something if that's what you're... I don't know. <laughs> Um, but no, the, uh, the, so yeah, I will be taking over as CEO. So, Sajad. And how are you feeling about that? Excited. Okay. And how are you going to prevent founder syndrome now that we've been talking about that? I've got a really good board uh, behind okay. me. Okay. Um, I've got a really good senior leadership team. Uh, they will absolutely give me the slaps that I need to wake me up out of founder syndrome. <laughs> okay, but that but that's the reason why you were willing to come back, right? Because they didn't demonstrate those red flags, isn't it? They didn't have the founder syndrome going on. The the first conversation that I had, I mean, I was very reticent, and yeah. and, he, and he said, "Look, have a conversation, see how it goes." Okay. And like I said to you, you, you kind of after after years and years of of experiencing the same mm. things, experiencing yeah. the same. Yeah behaviors experiencing the same witnessing the same observing the same characteristics you do develop a nose for, for 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 what's what right and um from the first conversation it was like yeah this there's there's something different about these guys okay and uh that's continued i've been here now for six months you felt like they were more on it yeah absolutely and do you think that's because uh, um uh the people that are behind the charity um, can we can we talk about the sheikh that's involved with the charity? Yeah, so Sheikh Tafiq Chaudhry is because he's always had that, hasn't he? He's always had that kind of. He's always been very strategic, and that that has been part of the DNA of all the organisations that he set up. Absolutely, absolutely. So Sheikh Tafiq uh, founded the charity. So he founded Mercy Mission. Yeah, uh, ran Mercy Mission. Uh, I think Mercy Mission has been running now for the last twenty odd years. Mm, mm. Uh, and Mercy Mission actually was one of the organizations that we spoke to 20 years ago to take that small charity. It was really interesting. And did they take it? They didn't. They okay. didn't. Gave it to somebody else. We'll have to have a uh, word with the sheikh. And uh, actually, I've got a really interesting... Uh, I share this all the time. I'll share this with you as well. I've got a really interesting anecdote about Sheikh Tafiq. I'll come back to that in a bit. So yeah, so Sheikh Tafiq founded the charity um, through Mercy Mission. So Mercy Mission essentially is an incubating yeah. organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, starts projects grows them once they hit like a, a certain critical mass 
they get spun out into their own organizations, completely independent organizations with independent boards, independent um, management teams that have nothing to do with Mercy Mission. So, I mean, it's really, really interesting that they do that, right? I go back to the founder syndrome. You have some organizations that have been run 30 years down the line by still the same founder, mm. right? Because they are unable mm. to let go. And whereas mm. you have this mm. as, a, as a contrast. It's more corporatized. It's, it's, the contrast here is let's put it out in the world as soon as we can possibly possibly can and let somebody come along, somebody who knows what they're doing, um, and they can, they can take it forward. So there's a number of projects that have been started this way and now spun out into their own organizations. Chariot Right is one of them. National Zagath Foundation is another. Yeah, National Zagath Foundation, um, That I mean, I, I met the, the then CEO and I was very impressed with the way that, that was being run then. We, you know, we had good conversations about how they were approaching things and it was very impressive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and... Um, <clears throat> Al Gothard is another another organization that's come out of the Mercy Mission Stable. Yeah. Um and there's there's other things that um they've started that haven't quite worked. So they're not not everything's a success. So uh Ramadan TV was a channel that they started, it didn't quite pan out. Um they've tried uh publications, magazines, for example, they've tried uh, the, and other charities as well. So there was like a fostering charity that they tried and didn't quite work out. So you know, but but you've got to try, right? You've got to try and you've got to kind of see what... But the DNA is there, isn't it? The DNA is that we've got to make this thing kind of run on its own and it's everything that he sets up, he, he kind of imprints that DNA into each organization that he sets up. The kind of people he brings in, he makes sure they don't have those kind of things about them, isn't it? That's what it's really making Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, it, it the, the, the whole, like, the, the machine, the way that it's been kind of pieced together is 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 actually quite beautiful. Because you, you essentially you've got a group of individuals that are graduating through the El Gothard experience. Mm. That's where they're getting their terbia, mm. right? Um, and El Gothard is being run by um, Sheikh Tofiq and you know his um, colleagues from from that ilk. These are the people that are graduating and becoming then the volunteers who mm. are starting these mm. projects mm. Um, and, you know, really kind of establishing that DNA, the foundational DNA in these projects that then gets kind of, you know, sees fruit, bears fruit when they become organizations, right? And so there's a real ethos, there's a real culture that is that, that has emanated from that. Um, and so although Sheikh Tafik has no legal control, um, uh, from a governance point of view, from a legality point of view, his name is nowhere, right? Um, in in any of these organisations, but we recognise the stables that we've come from. We recognise the family, the network that we're a part of, right? Um, and it's almost like a guild. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, and it, and it's wonderful. I I I I had the privilege of. So we have a. A summit that we do internally for all the uh, the network, um, and that was last October, so once a year. Uh, and so I got the, offered the job in August, I think it was, uh, and I had a or maybe September, and I had a November start because I, I was on a three month notice period in my last place, and um, and then so they invited me to this summit. So I turned up to this summit. There's a hundred people in this room. Um, leaders from each of the different organizations that make up Mercy Mission 
um, and all the international kind of chapters of those organizations as well. So Charity Right, as I mentioned, we have international chapters, National Zakat Foundation, international chapters, Mercy Mission, international, um, the same with uh, Al Kothar as well. You know, all of these leaders from all of these these different organizations in this room. And the the two things that struck me, the sincerity mm-hmm. and the the capability. But sincerity is also in like the way they conduct themselves around you, isn't it? Like the almost like the body language, the other kind of the the sincerity comes through the other and the body language. You notice things. Through. There's none of these like little microaggressions, these kind of funny little quips and all that. Kind of tells you. You hear it in the language. You yeah. see it in the body language as yeah. well. It, it's it's yeah. I mean, it, there's it, a certain it, seriousness it really there me. without being without being like um, overly kind of bland and overly kind of miserable. It's yeah. not melanc- melancholy or anything like yeah. that. But yeah. it comes through, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and you know, I, I was there for two days, uh, and I was inspired by the conversations that I had. I was uplifted by the conversations that I, I had. I was informed, educated by the conversations that I had. You know, there was so much experience, so much knowledge, so much wisdom in that room. Knowledge from a, an Islamic point of view, but also from a, mm. a professional point of view as well. So tell tell me this anecdote. The yeah right so Sheikh Tafik yeah so so uh, before I come to the anecdote just one last thing on Sheikh Tafik so I had the privilege to meet Sheikh Tafik recently he was in the uh, the country in March and um, and so he he, he kind of shared with me obviously I was introduced as, as the, the 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 new CEO in waiting um, and we had a really good conversation and one of the things that he said to me uh, was uh, the founding kind of principles if you like of charity right where he said look uh, this for me was always about impact has always been about impact you know it, it's you know how many birds can you kill and these were his words how many birds can you kill with that one stone right and so yeah fine you can you can go out and you can raise a hundred million pounds fine right but is your impact worth a yeah. hundred million pounds so worth? you've got a charity that's worth two million but is it has an impact of a hundred million exactly it's very different to a charity that's run, doing 80 million revenue and has an impact of half of that. absolutely absolutely and 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 so and so so at charity right we focus on uh, and this is not a shameless plug um, but i just want to kind yeah, of yeah. just just prove yeah. the point at charity right we focus on the school meal now why do we focus on the school meal like it seems so insignificant to focus on the school meal but the school meal um enable it, it solves the new the, the malnutrition bit that for many children will be the only meal that they will have that day and it will be a meal that has you know the right balance of all the nutrients that they need to sustain themselves for that day so it's solving the malnutrition um it's solving uh it is keeping them in school they're coming to school because of that school meal right um, and so it's keeping them in school. And we know all the statistics from the UN, et cetera, show that the longer the child stays in school, that for every single year of education that they have, it exponentially increases their chances of, you know, working them, getting a job and working yeah, their way out of, poverty, yeah. out of poverty yeah, and breaking that cycle of poverty. Um, it solves the, <coughs> the child labor thing. They don't have to go out and do yeah. work to put food on the table. It's one heuristic, isn't it? It's one metric. You solve that one metric and it solves five other problems. Exactly. It's that one stone that kills all of these different birds, right? Um, and, and that's what he means by impact. You find we're a two and a half million pound charity, but the impact that we're having 
is five times, six times, seven times the amount. So imagine if it was a charity that was doing 20 million or 50 exactly, million. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, a billion dollar impact. Absolutely. So for us, so just little things like, like to access the school meal, we have a, a hygiene program. So we teach the kids to wash their hands. Now that sounds really simple, but if they're not washing their hands, how are they going to benefit from the, from the, from the meal? Mm. Right, we, 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 we teach the, 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 the schools, we set up a kitchen for them and we teach them how to, you know, we teach them how to use washing up liquid, right? Because they will not know how to do that, all right? Why? Because if they're cooking the meals and they're preparing the meals without that, how are the children going to benefit from those meals? And so there's, there's, there's a number of different things, you know, the child, child marriage, if, if you, where you have girls... Um, and they become a burden, they can't go out to work or whatever. What do families do in these countries? They marry them off, right? And so we're solving the child marriage problem. Um, you know, uh, slavery into debt. So the father indebts himself into slavery, right? Uh, because there's no work or whatever. He borrows money or borrows you know, credit or whatever to the point where he's indebted now. Um, the mother, you know, doesn't have to sell her body and all of this sort of stuff right so these are all these are all very very real challenges in the countries that we that we work in in the communities that we work in right that these that 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 are being faced and these are forgotten communities in many ways right because they're not they're not affected by emergencies you know they've not been affected by an earthquake or by a conflict or, or actually sudan at the moment is obviously experiencing this conflict but most of the countries that we work in are not affected by those sorts of phenomenon um and so in many ways they are forgotten communities and so that's why for us it's even more important that we we stay in those communities long term and we help to kind of develop those communities so we don't do things like um emergencies or emergency responses it's something that we're thinking about and how we can align that to our longer term objectives for us it's not about it's not about the short term. It's not about, hey, let's just take your money and just... Emergency aid. Yeah, and just provide a food pack. It's, 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 it's a longer term engagement for, 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 for us because that's how you're going to drive impact. Your, 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 the, the food pack that you provide to a family is going to last for a month. What do they do after that? Feed a, feed a man for a day. It literally is feed a man for absolutely, a day. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And actually by doing so, you create a dependency on yourself. And, and we're... I, I strongly believe that as charities, our mission should be to put ourselves out of business. Yeah. Right? We yeah. should not need yeah. to exist. Mm. The only reason we exist is because poverty exists, mm. ultimately. But if poverty didn't exist, we wouldn't exist. Yeah, it's a good remit to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's work towards putting ourselves out of business. Alhamdulillah. All right, last uh, anecdote. Anecdote, anecdote. Yeah. So uh, come back to Sheikh Tafiq. So I met Sheikh Tafiq 20 years ago, right? Uh, when I was still a trustee of that charity. Uh, he came to Nottingham. He was still a, uh, a grad, he was still a student at Medina University. I think he was in his final year. He came and did this wonderful talk in our local masjid uh, about the uh, the passing of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? And incredibly emotional. There was not a dry eye in the room. Anyway, afterwards, we invited him to one of the brothers' house, we, you know, for dinner and all this sort of stuff. We introduced uh, the the charity that we were working on. We introduced that to him. Said, "Look, Sheikh, this is what we're doing. All this sort of stuff, right?" 
and he had a twinkle in his eye, you know, a bit of a smile in his, a bit of a smile on his face. Um, and he goes, uh, "Who built your website?" And we said, um, "Oh, we used this, these brothers in uh, in London, and they um, they built our website for us." He said, "No." He said, I built your website. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he said, they subcontracted it out to me wow. in Medina. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I built your website. Wow. And then I came along and replaced it. <laughs> <laughs> so 20 years later, now you're working for him. Effectively. And now 20 years later. you're working for him. Yeah, 20 years later. Now he's, uh, he's, kind, of, he's kind of my boss. Mashallah. This has been insightful, genuinely. Good. Because you and I have had a lot of conversations on the phone, but even I still learned a lot today. Good. Uh, it was an eye-opener for me. Good you've actually renewed my faith in a lot of ways because there's been a lot that's come out about charities, especially in the UK and the Muslim charity sector. But you've helped me understand the nuance of that, that conversation. Um, and, and only you could have done it because you've been, in, you've been in this sector for so long. You've been in this game for so long and we've had conversations. So I, I, I couldn't do this. I, I couldn't explain the nuances to somebody else. So only you could have done that. It is very nuanced. And nuanced is the right is the right word. It's um, you know there is there is a lot to it. And you know although we are as a sector a collective, but every single organisation works in different ways. Um, although it looks from the outside that we all do the same thing. Oh, you all provide food and you all provide water and emergency relief and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but it's very nuanced. Every country that we work in, every community that we work in has its own set of challenges. Um, and, you know, you've got to navigate them in, in ways that are peculiar to that particular mm. community or that particular, mm. uh, that particular country. And so it's really... So when we're devising our marketing and we kind of go out and we talk about there's a lot of sloganeering, right? So, for example, the 100% donation kind of sloganeering that, that happens. Like, it's really problematic because it holds the sector to one standard. And it's like, it just, that's an impossible standard. It kind of becomes a, uh, everybody, it just establishes real estate in people's minds. And all people are looking for is 100% donation. Absolutely. And that becomes a metric by what every everything what everything is judged. Absolutely. And maybe that's not what should, you know, maybe you should be judging by other things. Absolutely. Like, the, and and the, the, there's an irony that comes with, with that particular, just to stay with that point, there's an irony that comes with that. I see this every day in the conversation that I have with donors uh, in that there is absolutely an expectation for us to take minimal admin. We talked about gift aid, etc. But then there's also an expectation that we should be providing the best services possible. So there should be staff that, that should be available to answer your queries over the phone or via email or via nowadays social media. Hey, if I send you a message on Facebook, why are you not responding? Hey, if I send you a a DM on Instagram, why are you not responding? Well, that requires staff, that requires technology, that requires systems, right, for that those messages to come into us and respond back out to you. Um, hey, you've not given me my report on that £10 donation that I made six months ago, why not? Well, um, somebody has to produce that report, somebody has to collect the data from the field, um, you know, uh, somebody has to that takes time that takes somebody 
to pay somebody to do that that takes um, skill knowledge somebody to be able to design a report put the right information and then send it to you right now that is cost now how do you achieve that but then have zero admin Mm. so there's there's this kind of really what would you call it then instead of calling it a hundred percent donation policy what do you think it should should we even be having that conversation should that be part of the branding and the marketing even i don't think it should be part of the conversation i think it's unhelpful if i'm honest with you i think i think what should be what if 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 you were to have a tagline for a charity to say okay this is because ultimately if i i as a a donor and what anybody else as a donor wants to know is is you know can i trust this charity to do what they're doing right um uh, is my money going to work as hard as it can inside this charity because everybody's going to have to choose like where where am i going to put my money what should that tagline then be yeah and and i think i think ultimately that should be about value right yeah but what what can they say what value is that is that donation giving you are you wanting um you know uh, and, and that's where things like transparency enter into the conversation, right? Transparency itself is a very subjective word because transparency means something to me, different to me than what it means to you, right? Mm. Like when I use the word transparency, it's evoking something in your mind mm. and it'll be evoking something in the minds of everybody that's watching this video. Um, and that will be unique to them, mm. right? And so so, so it's not even the transparency bit for me. It's, for me, it's about the value. What value are you trying to derive from giving this donation that's not and you can't put that in a tagline that's challenging because for some because it comes down to motivations for some people they're motivated by um uh, by the spiritual aspect of giving right so i'm only going to give in ramadan because i'm going to get x reward i'm only going to give on the 27th night because i'm going to get x reward I'm only going to give on the, the odd nights in the last 10 days because I'm going to get X reward and so on, right? Um, and so how do you communicate value back to that individual? Then there's others that want to give to the homeland. I am a, I am from, um, you know, a diaspora community. I want to benefit my homeland. How do you communicate value to that individual? Then there's others that the cause is important. Yeah. And they want to see the impact actually taking place. They want to see it in action. Right. For some people, child sponsorship is important, you know, for one reason or the next, you know, I want, and I see this all the time, you know, we'll have sponsors that will come forward and they'll say, I have two boys. Um, I want, I've always wanted a daughter. I want to sponsor a, a girl. Mm. Just a simple example. But there's so many of those examples, right? For them, it's that's something very, very personal. How do you communicate value to that individual? So the conversation is a lot more than 100% donation policy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are you are you able if if somebody wants to sponsor a girl, are you are you as a charity are you actually able to do that? Yeah. And yeah. does my contribution make a difference to that to whatever it is that you're doing? Makes a huge difference. It, so I mean in our case we we do um HIF sponsorship at the moment. Okay. We will be providing uh, we're looking at providing child sponsorship, orphan sponsorship later, inshallah. But for now, it's HIF sponsorship. These are children that um, are, are boarding uh, in, in in these madrasas. They are receiving, um, you know, Quranic education, um, and for them, as well as as well as uh, as well as kind of your, your standard education, um, and for them, that's the only education that is available to them in that community. Mm. That's the only option that they have. 
um, and they will come out they will graduate as a as a as a memorizer of quran they will have graduated you know high school as well or whatever it is um and now they actually have a real opportunity to go out and earn a living in a way that they just didn't have or their parents didn't have mm. so that's where the impact is that's where the impact is right um and so you know where so our hif sponsorship is is about sponsoring the meals that they receive while they're at the boarding school right whatever it is two to three meals a day um and that's keeping them going that's keeping them there the meals are keep like i said to you earlier on the meals are keeping them there and if they're there they learn and if they learn they become educated okay but to if you were to summarize and you know just to finish this off as well now if you were to say a summary of me as a donor what could i look for in a charity to to feel like this is this is the where apart from choosing the cause whether i want to send the money home or if i want to put you know just looking at the charity in itself what could i be looking for in the charity to know okay this this is this is a charity that i can trust that it's going to do the job do the job well uh, uh it really starts from the motivation what is why are you going giving in the first place okay. right um and really connect with why you're giving in the first place okay. um because it 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 doesn't start with which charity should i support it starts with why am i giving okay right um and once you once you understand why it is that you're giving then the decision of who to support becomes a lot more easy uh, and then the the, the 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 but if you've got a short list of charities in that let's say uh, there's a particular cause that i'm after and i shortlist it down to two or three charities these are the ones that i want to give it to i've understood what my why is and these are the ones that I want to give it to. How do I then b- differentiate? How do I between those three charities? How do I know? So, so how well are they communicating their impact? Okay. Right. How focused are they? Okay. Right. Um, are they providing? And and look, let's be realistic, right? There, there's, you know, if your if your motivation is to provide a long term impact, then you've got to go with a charity that is in in you know has a long term objective. Okay. But if your if your motivation is to I've got fifty quid, and I just want to give it right now, and that's the end of it, then then you know then that's you, you maybe a, a charity that is focused on emergency relief that's going to take your fifty pound and provide a food pack that's going to last for a month is more a- applicable to you is more appropriate for you right? But like I said, that's why it's got to start from from you. It's not about the charities. It's about you and what your motivation is, and then you align with that. Um, and I think a lot of people see it the other way around. And I think yeah, I was just going to say, because we're so used to being bombarded with, can you donate to us? Sure. We've kind of gotten to the point where, well, everybody's going to ask for me for my money and I'm just going to give it. Yeah. To, okay, well, what do I want to do with my money? And then go and, you know, just turn that up on its head, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, and, I, and you know. And again, I think that's driven by guilt again, because we're all guilted into donating. We were, we right. were going to donate anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Ma- many, look, and it is also about taking some responsibility in this transaction yeah. right you know and I, and i'm seeing that more and more and it's something that it is very very welcome yeah. there was a 20 years ago you know people of my generation let's just say um that were that that were giving were giving without asking any questions mm-hmm. here's my my zakat mm-hmm. and you use it how you want to use it yeah. right although there's a certain beauty to that i have to say yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't absolve you of the responsibility. Okay. Right. Fine. Fine. Because it's still your zakat that you're having to give, right? Okay. okay. It's still your sadaqah okay, that you're having fair to enough, give. Yeah. So it doesn't absolve you of the responsibility, right? The question 
Allah's still going to ask you the question, right? And and so 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 you know what did you do with the with the re- the resources that I gave you? What did you do with them? Well, I just gave them to that charity, and then I forgot about it, and it doesn't work, right? So that's why you know we have to as donors we have to take responsibility in this transaction. Are you saying there's not enough responsibility that we're taking as donors? We say it, that we need. It's increasing. Be, it's increasing. It's increasing, okay. and I've seen it increase. And you know we get asked questions. All the time, and and it's welcome. It's okay. very very welcome, right? And if a charity is not answering those questions, that's problematic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Or doesn't have, uh, or, or or is not capable, or is not even able to explain the concepts to you. Because, like I say, for every charity, it'll be different, right? Um, there are hundred percent charities out there, and they are making it work. So there's charities, for example, that have trading subsidiaries, right? Um, and all of their operating cost is coming from uh, the revenue, the profit that's being made from that company that they are. I, I remember I've spoken to a couple of charities and we've had the conversation with them and they've been, you know, one of them has been able to answer the question very well. And that's been very satisfying. It's been reassuring. And then another, there's a charity that I was going to donate to this Ramadan. It was a local one. And they said, we, we're just not set up to, to be able to make use of your funds in the way that you want. Yeah. Which, but that was, that was still good. Yeah, because I was like, it was good because I thought, okay, well, when I when I want to donate for the cause that you're working on, I definitely will because you've given me an honest and absolutely. That's absolutely a charity that you should support. Yeah, definitely. It was a very local one because they, they because they are that communicates to me that they are entirely about the driven by their their cause, their, 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 their mission. Yeah, yeah, there's integrity there, uh, and and that mission focus is very very important. But like I say, not every charity's mission is going to align with your motivations. That's why you so have to look for. So ultimately, what you're saying is look for alignment. You you and the charity should be aligned. To, you as a donor and the charity as a um, as a fundraiser as a you know as a charity, you should be aligned together. Basically, that's what's going to work. Yeah, and the only way that you can be aligned is by you knowing what your motivation is in the first place. Why are you giving, right? And once you once you crack that, then the rest is 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 really really straightforward. It, it drives the your questioning. It drives your conversation. So going back to what I was saying about um, the the there is increased awareness now over the last twenty <coughs> years, right? But it's not enough, and and it's and it's not enough because we're still quite naive in the questions that we're asking. Like just even this conversation about hundred percent donation, like it, it's it's you know it's some people are making it work, but then to have this expectation that the whole charity sector should be operating without taking anything for admin is naive. Well, how do you how do then um, organizations run? How do they attract the best talent? How do they provide you with the best services how do they answer your questions when you want them to answer your questions right uh, and so on and so forth um, all of that requires resource and that resource requires budget to be able to fund that resource okay all right well thank you thank you this was really 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 useful no this was a lot more insight well how is it useful for you this was I, it just gave me a, a bit of a platform to be able to um, air some of these things and uh I think you're just being polite. <laughs> you're just being polite for the video. Because <laughs> as soon as these cameras go off, you'll be like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> not at all, man. Not at all. No, it's been really, really good. Alhamdulillah. All right. Alhamdulillah. Okay. Let's end it there. All right. Let's have a handshake. Thank you very much. Just in your hand. Deputy CEO. If you have any questions about the content or the subject matter, the things that I've discussed in this video, then 
please sign up to my Discord. The link is in the description below. It's a small app that you can use, very similar to how chat groups used to work before. You can be anywhere in the world and sign up for it. All you have to do is, is sign up via Patreon, which will then give you access to the Discord app. It is a like-minded community of other people that are talking about the same things, but we can just speak openly to each other. You might have some questions of your own, or you might have some insight of your own. Come and talk to me, come and talk to others. We can share ideas with each other and we, and we can grow as a community.